Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time. Your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I've Play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. We're all very familiar at this point that Republicans fell short in the midterm elections. We did not do as well as we had hoped. We've not seen any changes as a result of that, though, as a result of those failures, as a result of coming up short. We just saw Kevin McCarthy elected as Speaker of the House. Mitch McConnell has been reelected as minority leader in the Senate. However, there's still an opportunity to make changes happen in leadership, and that's at the RNC. There is a race that is underway right now to be the chair of the RNC. Harmeet Dillon has challenged Ronna McDaniel, who has been there through the 2020 midterm election where we lost the 2022 midterm elections that we just did. We underperformed. We didn't do as well as we had hoped. So we're going to talk to Harmeet Dillon about why she is challenging Ronna McDaniel, what she hopes to accomplish. What changes would she like to see made at the RNC? You know, what are our challenges moving forward as the Republican Party? And, and what does she want to do about mail-in ballots? So many questions for Harmeet Dillon, who is running to be RNC chair. So we'll get her take on all of those, really figure out where she's coming from, why she's running and what she would hope to accomplish as the RNC chair. Also, you know, what does she think about the upcoming 2024 presidential election? How would she shape that? How would she guide that? So we'll talk to her about all of it. If you're unfamiliar with Harmeet Dillon, she's on Fox all the time. But even more importantly, she has fought for conservative causes. As an attorney fighting for civil liberties, as a constitutional attorney, she helped launch the nonprofit Center for American Liberty in 2018. Uh, she is also the founder of a law practice called Dillon Law Group. I mean, we're talking about even during COVID, 
standing up against states, filing lawsuits against the state of California, challenging its stay-at-home order, fighting on behalf of businesses, uh, fighting on behalf of restaurants, fighting on behalf of people who had their constitutional rights violated. She also filed lawsuits against the governors in New Jersey and Virginia at that time over the restrictions on religious services. So this is someone who not only talks the talk, but she walks the walk and she wins. I hope you enjoy this conversation with her, meet Dylan. I hope you learn a little bit more about her and what she would hope to accomplish if she is elected. Stay tuned. Before we get to the RNC race, which is really important, and I want to spend most of the time talking about that, I wanted to get your take on Joe Biden's mishandling of classified information after he criticized Donald Trump for mishandling of classified information. Turns out that he has been holding documents for years now at multiple locations. Well, I think Joe Biden's got a real problem because President Trump has multiple defenses to claims that he's mishandled the documents. First of all, he was the commander in chief and was legitimately able to and contends that he declassified the documents that are being disputed at Mar-a-Lago. Second, even if they weren't declassified, if you accept the uh, alternate interpretation of that situation, he had the right under the Presidential Records Act to hold on to these documents for a period of time to sort through them. And, and then analyze what should be turned over to the National Archives. Joe Biden, by contrast, got possession of these documents as the Vice President of the United States. He has since that time been responsible for their move, not once, not twice, but at least three times, and there may be other document caches based on the pattern that we're seeing. So he moved them out of the White House or his vice presidential offices, moved them into one building, moved them into another building, and he's had various roles and lived in at least one home and has spends every other weekend, it seems, in some luxurious vacation rental. And so there are probably multiple locations that if the Department of Justice and National Archives were serious about finding these documents, they should be searching right now. But I see no evidence of that. And ultimately, the other major distinction with the former vice president is the number of people around him who are uh, appear to be compromised by their relationships with foreign governments. And this specifically includes Hunter Biden, James Biden, uh, to some degree, I would say even the vice president, former vice president, current president himself. Uh, both China, the Ukraine, and possibly other countries have had their hands out uh, for relationships with the uh, name Biden and provided very lucrative remuneration in exchange for that. Well, one of the documents mentioned in the first tranche of documents in the press is uh, it relates to the Ukraine. So you have to wonder why are these specific documents, the ones that are in the former vice president's possession, who had access to them? Uh, there some news reports suggest that in the case of the uh, Penn office, a Chinese operative had keys and access to this workspace. And and what happened uh, in response to review of these documents, who reviewed them? So I think it's good that the uh, form that the attorney general has now appointed a special prosecutor here. But for months, 
this whole fact pattern was the subject of a cover-up. Uh, specifically, the possession of these documents came to light at least in early November, but it was concealed from the American public until a a house was seated that was likely to begin issuing subpoenas. You know, again, yet again, you have the intelligence apparatus making moves to affect the outcome of an election. Uh, this is this is the second case involving the Bidens. Um, you might argue that the whole Ashley Biden raid against Project Veritas would be another example. So, you know, this is the exact kind of weaponization of our uh, intelligence services that that I hope the House is serious about investigating, as they promised to do in the 118th Congress. You know, and the, and the timing's weird too. Of you know, this just now coming to light. Uh, but to your point, maybe it's because House, you know, Republicans have taken over the House and investigations are going to be underway. Um, you know, we did not get changes uh, to congressional leadership. However, we still have an opportunity to make changes at the RNC, which one would think would be important given, you know, a poor performance in the midterm elections. Uh, you know, for those unfamiliar, how do these RNC elections work for the position of chair? Well, there are 168 voters in total, and it's a majority vote, but a secret ballot. And we have uh, the deadline was earlier today to complete nominations. So to be nominated, you have to have two members of the three members uh, from each of three separate states nominate per office. And so I've qualified for the chair position. So has Rana. We also have contested co-chair and and treasurer races. And all of that's going to be voted on in Dana Point, California, in our winter RNC meeting in two weeks. Two weeks from today, we may have a new chair of the RNC. Um, and so it's all a lot of horse trading and lobbying. Uh, this is a race against an entrenched incumbent who is, you, you know, utilizing all the assets of the RNC in this race, press office, uh, employees of the RNC, consultants of the RNC. You know, one prominent Fox News contributor is paid by the RNC and, you know, was making statements on behalf of Rana um, earlier in this campaign. So, you know, that's what I'm up against. And I'm a sort of David versus Goliath campaign. I have had the support of many members of the RNC, a growing number of members of the RNC. Uh, certainly the vast majority of the grassroots Republican voters in the country and Republican Party activists are supporting change at the RNC and specifically supporting me. A number of states have held votes on uh, the leadership of the RNC, and each of the states that has held votes on it has overwhelmingly voted for me or for change or both. And increasingly, major donors in the conservative world have come out to support me. And this is in response to one of the claims of uh, the, the incumbent's uh, supporters is that she's uh, very good at fundraising. If you look at those facts, actually, um, I think Donald Trump's name has been very effective in fundraising for the Republican National Committee. And when you have the White House, it's pretty easy to raise money. When you don't have the White House, it's not that easy to raise money. And in fact, our fundraising numbers show that. And when you are losing elections, it's hard to raise money. And when you are adopting and promoting the same old stale leadership and consultant-driven policymaking that we have at the RNC. I think the RNC is going to find it very difficult to raise funds unless we have a decisive change in leadership at the top. And so I'm gratified this week to have had, at the beginning of the week, more than two dozen major Republican mega donors and bundlers 
in the million dollar type range um, stated that they would not support the party until there was change. Uh, Bernie Marcus, the co-founder of Home Depot, a billionaire donor, endorsed us on Wednesday. And today we had two major donors as well. One is Dick Uline, another mega donor billionaire who has long supported many, many, many Republican candidates and causes endorsed me today, as well as Murph Burke, who is a prominent Wisconsin donor and philanthropist, uh, who is also, interestingly, on our Wisconsin RNC convention committee for 2024, which itself has to raise millions of dollars. So you have people at every level in the Republican donor ecosystem demanding change. I don't know how the party can continue to ignore that. I, I think we actually have a fiduciary duty to look at who's the more likely in this scenario to be able to raise the funds that the party needs to use efficiently to distribute to states and to campaigns uh, with, with, with support of field staff and things like that and data and other assets to elect Republicans. It's that basic. And so, you know, we hope we can able, we were able to convince the rest of the people to support Yeah. Us. And, and to your point, you know, Trafalgar group recently did a, a poll finding that 86% of Republicans want you to be chair over Ronna McDaniel to your point of the grassroots wanting change and wanting you to be that change. And you mentioned raising money, which obviously raising money is important in elections, but it's also what do you do with that money? And are you effective in spending that money? And what we've seen is the challenge of mail-in ballots uh, that has had a big impact on the past two election cycles. How do you plan on tackling that challenge uh, with mail-in balloting? Yeah, great question. So first of all, Mail-in balloting has been a thing in many states for some time. And, you know, like some of the more rural states in the country Utah and Oregon, they've had all mail-in balloting for, for a long while. In California, we've had what we call no-excuse absentee balloting for, for decades. And during COVID, Democrats pretty much made this the norm in the majority of states, and that law has, has stayed in place despite the fact that COVID is effectively over. So... There are two ways to deal with it. You can sit on your behind, continue to call elections, election day operations, and pretend like nothing has changed, which is unfortunately the approach we've been adopting, or you can be smart about it and compete with the Democrats, which is what a handful of states have been doing effectively, California, Florida, uh, some others, and adapt. And we have to adapt or die. It's, it's that dire a situation. And so until we can change the election laws to, to the way we like them, which is voter ID and no same day registration and really tight requirements around absentee ballots combined with very clean voter rolls, we must defeat and outperform the Democrats in hustling our ballots into the ballot boxes. And so for many years, we've had this emotional type of approach to appeal to voters to go and, you know, stand in line and vote in person symbolically on election day. And the Democrats don't have that problem. So I've heard a lot of excuses out of the current leadership of the party saying, well, you know, Donald Trump picked bad candidates and there was you know, candidate selection issues and there was ticket splitting and blah, blah, blah. But let's keep in mind who the Democrats have been able to elect with their machine. 
Joe Biden, the biggest liar in American politics. And that's, you know, even next to George Santos, uh, Joe Biden is still by far the biggest liar. You look at John Fetterman, who couldn't even speak for much of his campaign because of his uh, stroke. You have Katie Hobbs, who wouldn't debate in Arizona and became the governor over a much more articulate and I think appealing candidate. And so all of that adds up to, it doesn't matter who the Democrats put up because they have perfected the art of getting their voters' ballots into the ballot boxes, not getting their voters to the polls. It's a very important distinction. Most of those Democrat voters never see the inside of a polling place anymore. In Arizona on election day where I was on the ground, 70% of the voters on election day were Republican voters. And so we lose every time if we let the Democrats set the agenda with us like that. And what it requires for us to outperform Democrats is a couple of things. First of all, a national strategic plan from the RNC and then training and financial resources. Because when you go from election day operations to election month operations, it's gonna cost more money. You may also have to train and recruit more volunteers and, and, and put them in, in shifts. Uh, it's, it's an organizational challenge that the party has not been up to, but it's not that difficult. If it were that difficult, Democrats couldn't muster it, and they have. And so I think we can do it, but we have to have a will to do it. I haven't heard the, the current chair talk about it at all. And I think that's because she's intimidated by the fact that many Republican Party activists don't like what I just said. And I don't like it. But the fact is, you have to do it if you want to win. And if you don't have the political willpower to stand up and say something that may be unpopular with certain aspects of your party, you're not a leader. And so I think that's you know a big big crossroads that we have. Are we willing to stand up and say things that every that that are unpopular, or do we have to pander to every aspect of of the party? Commercial break. More with her. Meet Dylan on the other side. Hey guys, Mario Lopez here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. 
I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. You've got a lot going on. I mean, you, you run a law practice, the Dillon Law Group. I, I mean, you're involved with, you know, many other things. Uh, why, why do you want this? Well, it's not a question of why do I want this, but uh, who else is going to do it? And you're right. I'm very passionate about my day job, heading a 40-person law firm with five offices around the country doing some of the most important conservative litigation in America. I'm very passionate about the nonprofit that you hear me talk about. I'll be talking about um, a new case we filed this week about transgender grooming issues. And that's also very important work. I'm also the chairman of the Republican National Lawyers Association, so I'm the head Republican election lawyer in the country, head of that organization right now on the board. And you know, obviously I'm a media commentator, but I'm going to have to step aside from all of those roles, except for probably media commentator and chair of the RNC if I win this. And that's because no other member of the Republican National Committee stepped forward to challenge Rana for her fourth term. And, you know, I'm sure she did her best for three terms. She's a you know person who obviously cares about Republicans and wants them to win elections. But after three terms, we've lost the House, the Senate, the White House, and several governorships in net losses. We can't ignore that fact. And so I think it's really time for somebody else to step forward. And, you know, RNC is a unique organization. Everyone there is, you know, sort of the top Republican people in their state, the chairman and, you know, senior leaders in the party. That's the National Committee men and women. I fill that role from California. So it's very genteel. You know, there are no sharp elbows. Everyone gets along. And so it's rare to have a contested leadership race. You know, the kind of people kind of expect you to sit there and wait your turn. And I'm, I'm sorry, but America can't afford for us to wait our turn for somebody, you know, to step forward and make the changes necessary at the RNC. The, the, the country is suffering without a proper rebuke to Joe Biden and strong leadership in our party. We're going to suffer for four more years in 2024 to 2028. I don't know what our country is going to look like after four more years of this disaster. The next two years is going to be bad enough. And so that's why I stepped forward to do it. Well, I'm glad you did. Uh, I mean, you've fought for a lot of important causes, you've won. And I think we need that kind of leadership at the RNC. Uh, Why do you think we fell short in in the midterms? Oh, there are many reasons. And, you know, some of the reasons are the ones that I mentioned. There were definitely candidate mismatches between who could win the state. I mean, I think we should do better vetting where 
you know, even the former president uh, has made a couple of endorsements that, you know, I think it's hard to get elected in a state as a senator if, A, you've never run for office before, and B, you didn't live in that state for many years. That was a problem with two of our candidates. But they weren't worse than the Democrat candidates, to be very clear. We just didn't do as good a job at getting them elected as Democrats did at getting their grossly inferior candidates elected. I mean, Raphael Warnock is a terrible candidate on paper, and yet we weren't able to beat him with a very good candidate in many ways. Um, and so we see blame on the Dobbs issue also from our party leader. Uh, Rana has blamed Dobbs. And I'm a pro-life litigator and activist. I represent numerous pro-life activists in court right now. I'm suing Planned Parenthood in multiple cases. And uh, and so it seems to me like where you had a heads up that Dobbs was coming, uh, with, with what reasoning was coming, the party should have jumped on that and done a great job using this important federalism decision, sending the issue back to the states as 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 something that we could message uh to to both sides and and message it well we did not do that we were afraid to talk about it candidates were advised not to talk about it uh and uh, i think that was a mistake it should have been discussed and and resolved in each state and by each campaign um and then i think we have some technical failures that that are probably going to bore your listeners but uh, you know i think we we are, are being outperformed by the democrats in terms of the use of data. Um, they invest financial resources in acquiring and harvesting and uh, applying algorithms to data that allows them to target likely Democrat voters. And we also do that on the Republican side. And by the way, we do a very good job of it compared to the past. But we are not, uh, I think, right now, technically competing with the Democrats or keeping up with them. And I think that's something that we can change with financial resource investment. And if you're blowing the money you're raising on overhead, overhead to uh, ineffective political consultants inside the Beltway, some of whom don't even want our America First candidates to win. That's very clear in their cocktail party chatter. They wouldn't be living in D.C. and and thriving in these circles. Then instead of buying data, instead of paying social media influencers who are young and or from different ethnic backgrounds who can help us uh, reach new audiences, we're losing. And so I think strong fiscal responsibility is a core tenet of Republican uh, ideals, and we're not following it at the Republican National Committee. Um, the, the, the careful shepherding of donor dollars ought to be job one at the RNC, and it really isn't. So um, I have um, a specific plan. It's not glamorous, but it's, it's nuts and bolts. We need to bring in some people with uh, gray hair back into the RNC. I'm one of those people with gray hair. Uh, though I'm vain and, uh, you know, we have to bring some people with experience in state parties and people with experience outside the RNC to help us rebuild the party and really focus on winning, uh, not on, you know, glamour, not on podcasts, not on anything other than helping Republicans win elections and helping a Republican nominee, whoever that is, level playing field, become the next president of the United States at a time when, it should be the easiest possible to defeat uh, the left. We're struggling at doing that basic job. And so without a change, I'm very concerned that we will have no chance of winning in 2024. With a change, it's going to be a challenge. But uh, at least it's doable. I think a lot of people share your, your frustration and would agree with what you just said. Uh, real quick, before we go, I know that the election's internal, but how can people help? Well, 
the members of the Republican National Committee are three in each of the 50 states and six territories. They, in turn, are elected not directly by voters, but by the party activists in each state. So, for example, in California, I'm elected by 1,500 delegates of the state party. And so the really the most effective advocacy is for those state party delegates or precinct committee men or women or executive committee of the state party to contact the three members who they elect and tell them what their opinion is in no uncertain terms. State parties are having special meetings all over the country. So, for example, if you're one of those state party delegates in Florida, you have the opportunity in a week, one week from today, to travel to Tallahassee and vote on this issue. And that just happened in Arkansas and Louisiana, Alabama, Texas, Tennessee, and um, and uh, I think Arizona, uh, throughout the country, it's happening. There's a vote coming up in Washington state shortly on this issue. And so those are the most effective. But if you are a voter in the state and you're an active Republican, I would say you could reach out politely to the three members of your state or your territory let them know you live in their state because they're going to ignore it if you don't live in their state and share your preference and why politely and persuasively. That is having an impact on many of the members of the RNC. Other members of the RNC don't want to hear from voters directly, which itself is a problem, I think. But uh, in any event, it's never persuasive to be anything other than polite. And uh, so I, I regret that some people feel so passionately about this that they haven't been. And I'm getting blamed for that, so so don't do that, please. And um, you know, finally, get engaged and get involved. If your Republican representatives at the Republican National Committee and at your state party aren't doing what's right for you, but instead are doing what's right for them, they got a plum committee assignment, they got their photograph taken with some famous person, they got a nice seat at the table, then they're betraying their promise to you. And so get involved. And get yourself elected to one of those positions. That's what I can ask for Republican activists. But on Twitter and everyone that followed me of the members, I messaged directly. And then the the ones that ho- had opened Twitter uh, where you could message them, I sent them a message. I was very polite about it, but I, I expressed the desire for change with you. Uh, Harmeet Dillon, I'm rooting for you. I, I know you'd be a phenomenal chair uh, and you would make the changes that we need. Uh, so I, I truly hope you get it. I appreciate you taking the time uh, as always. And uh, always nice to catch up with you. Thank you so much, Lisa. Take care. As her meet Dylan, uh, truly hope she ends up being the RNC chair. Uh, that would be a really important place to make changes as a party heading into what is a monumental and consequential presidential election for 2024. I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank John Cassio for putting the podcast together as always Monday and Thursday, but you can listen throughout the week. Leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. Love reading those. I uh, appreciate you guys listening until next time. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. 
I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. 